We've had this podcast for a little while now, Truth Behind the Badge, and we really appreciate the feedback, comments, questions that we've received. We've been requested to utilize Instagram a little bit more with the live feature, and it allows us to definitely be more interactive and bring on guests, so to speak. Rather than stray away from the podcast altogether, we're going to continue to use both platforms, and we decided to host our first Instagram Live earlier this month. We wanted to keep it kind of vague and broad and focus on policing in 2021, while also highlighting two of the controversial incidents. What we did not expect was to speak for an hour have Instagram notify us that our time was almost up and the demand to restart a new live be so incredible. So that's exactly what we did. So this is going to be part one. And then we had part two. Same exact thing happened. We finished. And then we did part three. The same thing happened again with part three, but we all decided, especially those of us that had to work in the morning, that that was enough for today. So this is going to be a three-part series. We'll break this up in three parts and upload those episodes from Instagram onto our podcast channel for those of you that enjoy listening via the podcast. And we'll try to continue doing this. Thank you all for the support. The job. The stress. We are, there is an active shooter working at Douglas. Multiple gunshots are being fired. Politics. Politics. Pressure. Pressure. Get out of here. We got a guy with a long rifle. We don't know where the hell he's at. Fear. Survival. Control 765. I need the radio for a minute. Be advised. We are taking fire from a very high floor. We believe it's possibly coming from the Mandalay Bay. And we get it. And we have to do better. The truth behind the badge. Presented by the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. Let's just get right into this real quick. This is new for us with Team South Florida. We don't really do the whole Instagram Live. There are a lot of organizations, a lot of individuals that do this a lot better than us as far as dissecting incidents, discussing incidents. However, with everything going on these days, especially in 2021, our inbox has just been inundated between the three social media platforms that we use. People want to know. People have questions. What do you guys think about this incident? What do you think about this incident? And to tell you the truth, it's not very easy. So personally speaking, uh, for those that don't know, my name is Rich with Team South Florida. We have several contributors to uh, our social media platforms. We are a very small nonprofit charitable organization. And one of the things we've been doing for years is trying to bridge the gap between law enforcement and the community. When I say that, a lot of people say that and a lot of people don't necessarily show it with action. And one of the things we try to do is highlight a lot of the positive posts, a lot of the things that people don't often see. Unfortunately, what we're seeing lately is so much attention to the negativity and so little attention to the positivity. Now, in the past, we've kind of been able to deflect a little bit and, and say, well, this is what happened, this is what happened. I think what may be unusual for some is that some of us in law enforcement have no problem saying the officer messed up, the officer could have done a better job, things like that. So I am honored to have both of you guys join me today. And everybody's got different levels of experience, different viewpoints. Hopefully, you guys feel free to help me out with these comments because they're flying on here. Yeah, I see that, man. <laughs> but basically, we're under siege right now. Law enforcement's under siege. We can't seem to do anything right. And I want to point out something I think I heard Angel say on, on Fox News recently with the amount of contacts. There are literally... Roughly 800,000 police officers in this country. There's probably millions of arrests every year. 10 million. Over 10 million. There you go. Over 10 million. There are even more law enforcement contacts, yet we have such a small amount of controversial incidents. I think that just speaks volumes. So I want to keep us organized. I got a little bit of an outline, but 
let me give the two of you an opportunity just to give a brief little intro about who you are and maybe what your general thoughts are, and then we'll get into this. Okay. You can go first. Uh, J.R. Sharp, man. I'm a law enforcement, local law enforcement in North Carolina. I've uh, been in law enforcement for about 10 years. Uh, prior to that, I played college football, so I've been in the business for a little bit. Uh, I'm a corporal on uniform patrol. My experience comes from I work uh, narcotics. Uh, I'm currently serving on our uh, certain sheriff's, sheriff's emergency response team. We call it CERT or SWAT, as most of you know it. So I've been a SWAT officer for about eight years now. Um, I'm an FTO, uh, specialized instructor. I do, I'm a PT instructor for the academy. Um, so I've been around the business for a long time. Got a lot of uh, good, good certs and um, well-vested. I consider myself somewhat a veteran after 10 years. So, Okay. All right. Uh, good to meet you, brother. Nice my name's you, my name's Angel Masonette. I'm a retired NYPD detective. Uh, I did 22 and a half years with the NYPD. 12 of those were on patrol. I became a detective in the 48th precinct where I did patrol. I worked homicides, uh, sex crimes, property crimes, you name it. Uh, my dog's upset. Sorry. Um, I went out to the joint terrorism after that. Um, I served with the Joint Terrorism Task Force from 2007 to 2014 uh, until I retired. Uh, myself and my team were responsible for foiling Osama bin Laden's last plot against the United States of America before he was killed. It was, wow. a, subway, it was a subway attack, a uh, coordinated uh, triple suicide subway attack that we ended up foiling uh, right before Osama bin Laden was killed. Um, so I was in two shootings as a police officer. One is a police officer, one is a detective. Um, I'm Puerto Rican, born and raised in the Bronx, and I served in the community where I was uh, where I was born and raised. Man, I love the I love the accent, brother. That's a, that's amazing. Thank you, bro. <laughs> I guess I guess Rich, before before we start, I guess I didn't add that too. As far as what I've been involved in uh, here recently, back in no November of 2020, I'm sure it was going to be brought up at some point. Um, I was actually ambushed uh, back in November, uh, shot by two uh, gang members. Uh, I was actually off duty in my personal vehicle, so I was ambushed uh, at, at a stoplight. Uh, my vehicle was shot 17 times. I was hit once in the back and then grazed on the, on the tricep. Um, so I survived that incident. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of fresh, so I'm still kind of dealing with it. But uh, I survived, and I'm still here, and I'm still glad to be in law enforcement. We're glad you we're glad you're still here, brother. Yes, brother. Appreciate it. Awesome. Yes, sir. All right, so I got you guys here, and I'm gonna try to try to monitor these comments as best as I can. If somebody else wants to jump on at any time. I think we can add one more person, so feel free if that's needed. Uh, what I want to cover tonight, because we can't possibly cover everything going on, and to be honest with you, it's impossible just to keep up with the amount that is going on. So we're going to cover Windsor, Virginia, the traffic stop with the Army Lieutenant. We're going to cover Brooklyn City, Minneapolis, where uh, Taser, Taser, Taser comes out. I want to dissect a little bit into some of the protesting, rioting, politicians, the media, and that. And then we're going to close with where we're at today. You know, what, where do we go from here? What's the solution? What's the consequence of some of the things going on today? And I want to thank those of us that support us. Um, some of the feedback in our comments and in our messages has been outstanding. And a lot of it is spot on from the general public to recognize that there's a difference in policing as a result of what's going on. I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable. I also want to put this caveat out that it's very easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. It's very easy to judge, very easy to be critical. So I want to be very, very careful that us and then just us as an organization as well, we don't want to get into the habit of coming on here and just criticizing somebody that was involved in a stressful situation. We were not there. We don't know all the details. We don't know all the facts. However, we can discuss what we know as we know it. So I just want to put that out there a little bit. And uh, by all means, if you guys hear something or see something, jump, you know, cut me off, feel free. Um, do one of you want to cover the intro to the uh, traffic stop with the, the Army Lieutenant? In Virginia, do you want me to read the brief narrative from the uh, report? How do you guys? Yeah, want just to... I think I just go ahead and brief the narrative, and then uh, we'll go from there. Just I think just brief it. that way, right. you're, that way you 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 go ahead and head it. So it's fine. All right. So as far as that's concerned, <clears throat> we have to very we, we got to really be careful with what we listen to from the media and on social media. There are so many different rumors out there and different things. So 
I pulled up the actual police report, the actual narrative. The initial short narrative is on December 5th, 2020 at 1834 hours, officers did traffic stop utilizing blue lights and sirens on a black Chevrolet SUV with no tags displayed in the 80 block of East Windsor Boulevard. The vehicle continued to travel westbound on Windsor Boulevard at a low rate of speed in the outside lane. Blue lights and sirens were still activated. The vehicle made a lane change in the 12 block of East Windsor Boulevard and finally came to stop at 1 East Windsor Boulevard. A high-risk stop was conducted. Driver would not comply with verbal command to turn the vehicle off and place his hands outside the vehicle. Driver put hands outside the window. Upon approach of the vehicle, driver was still failing to comply to get out of the vehicle. When officer attempted to unlock and open the driver's door, the driver hit the officer's hand away. The driver still refused to comply to get out of the vehicle, at which time the driver was OC sprayed. The driver then stepped out of the vehicle, however, refused to comply and lay on the ground. After a short struggle, officers gained control and was able to get the driver detained. Medics were requested and arrived to check the driver out. At this point, the driver was identified by his Virginia operator's license as Caron Nazario. Driver was assessed by medics and stated they were no longer needed. Nazario was coached on how to overcome OC spray and he regained his vision and could read at a distance and was then released. That's the actual narrative. Now, JR, you and I had a little bit of a conversation about this. I'm going to let you give your viewpoint, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, for those watching, I have the utmost respect for JR because he doesn't just see law enforcement as being right. He's the first one to say they're wrong. But what's nice about him is you, you throw the facts out to him, and he can, he can appreciate the facts. He'll give you his reasoning, and he'll tell you if he still thinks he's right, he's still right. And he'll tell you if, you know what, you got me on this. So right. Go ahead. What do you got to say, JR? <laughs> um, so in, in regards to that stop, I, I'm watching it just as everybody else is. You know, I, I do do a little bit more digging before I try to make comments on it, but there's always a first thought when you see these videos. Um, but we know how, how I guess, damaging it can be just watching a video and not having any background before you make a statement. And so many people, including a lot of civilians, watch a, you know, a 20-second, two, three-minute video, and all of a sudden they know, they feel like they know what happened. So it does uh, benefit you to kind of read up and understand how things are going. Uh, and then use it how you how you actually apply your, your, yourself in that situation. So in regards to the incident, you know, seeing the video at first, there's a couple of things that I'm, I'm totally fine with because I didn't, initially I didn't know that it, it took him a while to pull over. Um, but when it's taking a while to pull over, there's a lot of things that's going through an officer's mind when a car doesn't pull over. Is, you know, is, is the person, can they see my license siren? Are they, you know, preoccupied in their phone? Um, is it a sovereign citizen? Is it is somebody trying to hide something? There's a lot of things that you don't know. Or is it somebody just trying to get to a, a well-lit area? Um, those are a lot of things that can be playing into that. Um, so we get, to, we get to see this point. Obviously, the vehicle comes to a stop. They decide to do a, you know, a high-risk traffic stop. I'm totally fine with that because they didn't know. There was no tags on the vehicle. We don't know what this officer was thinking. He's maybe thinking, hey, this, this car may be stolen. I don't know who's in it. I haven't had any type of response uh, or any type of compliance. So now let me stop. So and I was cool with that. Um, where it got money is that that's the second officer that came in, which seems to me that he was more of a veteran officer. He immediately took over and he he was extremely, I believe, in my opinion, he was a little bit too over over assertive. Um, it hadn't got to the point where he I feel like he needed to elevate, um, I guess, th his language and how he was using it. I feel like it could have been more. Uh, communication between what was going on. They obviously didn't. They obviously didn't feel as threatened by him. He put his hands out of the vehicle. Now I was always trained: if you're going to do a high-risk traffic stop, we're not going to approach the vehicle. We're going to. Time is on our side. Let's continue to call this guy out. If this guy doesn't want to get out of the car, we're going to get more units there. We're going to set up a perimeter. We're going to start blocking things off. We're going to call in SWAT. That's how I was trained. I wasn't trained to do a high-risk traffic stop and then all, all of a sudden approach the vehicle. Um, so they felt that the threat was somewhat heightened. He put his hands out of the vehicle. We got to start noticing those things as cops. Okay, we're getting, we're not getting the verbal compliance and then not much of the physical compliance, but look at the non-verbal cues. His hands are out. He's showing himself, he's showing himself not to be a threat. Now you still continue to have a tactical approach. And if you decide to approach, then you see this guy's, you see this guy's in uniform. Now, from my standpoint, this is how I've always been trained. I believe in professional courtesy. Um, and especially people who are military. I'm not saying that everybody in the military is right, but those men and women serve our country. They die for us. They fight in these wars, and sometimes they don't even know what they're fighting for, and they give themselves for this country. So I believe in giving somebody in uniform 
the benefit of the doubt, just as I would another officer or somebody else. Um, so I think once you see these guys in uniform, you start kind of, you don't lose your tactical edge, but you start to kind of, you may want to approach this totally different. One, this guy, you know, this guy's trained. Now we know if you're thinking, if I'm seeing a guy in the military, I, I feel like I know he's going to have a, a gun in the vehicle. That's going to be off rip. Um, but I think they could approach it totally different. The guy was trying to say, hey, man, what did I get stopped for? They never notified him of what he was, what he was stopped for. So he's confused. Um, that's normal. Um, something else we have to take into account is not everybody knows the law. There's been times where I've stopped people and tried to get them out of the car, and they just don't know that it's against the law not to get out of the vehicle. So sometimes you got to take a step back and educate these people and tell them what's going on. Hey, my name is so-and-so. This is why I stopped you. If so, hey, man, the reason why we drew our guns out was – did you see the video at the end, how they were trying to explain it to them and what was going on? There's no now, reason what's, why – What's funny is I saw that. However, I wonder how many other people saw that. The media, didn't show that. the media didn't show that part. It's, it's, right. it's very strategic how they only showed the negative part. They didn't show – they didn't release the whole ca video camera. Um, but I believe if, if there was – if their approach after the incident was more like it was – in the beginning, I think they would have got a lot of places. The guy was, he had a couple questions. I think they took the time to explain it. He doesn't know that having the tag on the inside of his car is against the law. Some people just don't know that. So you use that time to teach and educate. And then maybe through that dialogue, you build some type of rapport and you gain compliance that way. I don't think, that, I never thought the guy was a threat. I didn't feel like he was a threat uh, at any point. Yeah, you want him to comply. And let me say this. Was the lieutenant wrong for not getting out of the vehicle? 100%. Was he wrong? Was he non-compliant? 100%. Um, but goes back what we talked about there's a legal there's there's a legal standard and there's an ethical ethical standard they're legally justified to pepper spray them and pull them put them out of the car but is that necessarily uh what they needed to do in that situation i think they could have easily gained compliance if they would have took a step back and tried to talk to them a little bit um the, the approach was completely off and that's something they use any any time to really de-escalate it um and then they didn't even take the guy to jail. You pepper spray him, you decon him, and all of a sudden it's, they, you take him yeah, to jail. That's, you, that's you bad. do all that paperwork. For yeah, that's bad. That's bad. I, I would like to uh, – so there's one there's one thing that I would say – Get out. Y'all need to go. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Six and it's three. It's all right. You're good. You're good. Go. What do you guys – There's one thing that I would say. So um, everything you said was – I agree with. The only thing that I would say – I would I looked at it differently is to me the uniform uh anybody could get a uniform from an Army Navy store, right? Yeah, so true. you know, you have to there's stolen valor out there, right? My son is in the military. He just joined the police academy on Monday. He just started the police academy. I mean there's stolen valor. We all know that. that. He didn't want to go to the fire department route? Yeah. No, he didn't no, no, no. He's not a he's not a thief or a burglar. He's a he's a, he wants to be a police officer. <laughs> so that's a that's a joke with the NYPD and FDNY. Um so to my point, the uniform, while you could take it down a notch, so to speak, but keep your tactical edge, yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta say, hey, look, I see your military guy, you know, what's your NCO, who's your NCO, who's your, what's your MOS, you know, give them some questions that only a real soldier would know and mm -hmm. then approach that vehicle and then do everything that you said, try to deescalate, you know, the guy was recording himself, you know, during the car stop, I mean, to me, that's an agenda he had. Mm -hmm. um, also, when you're, when you're approaching a vehicle or you're pulling a vehicle over and it's in a, a, a badly lit area, and I'll tell this to all the civilians that are watching this now. Um, I was a patrol cop for 12 years. I did hundreds of car stops. You don't determine what a, what a bad, badly lit area is. You let me determine that. Yes. I'm going to go over my loudspeaker and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go over to PA and say, hey, listen, drive a quarter mile up the road and turn into the gas station and then we'll take it from there. You as a civilian, as a subject at a car stop, should never determine whether it's a welded area or whether it's a not a welded area. Because we got plenty of lights, spotlights. We got plenty of ways to light that car up like a Christmas tree. So you need to let the police determine whether the area is safe to approach or not. So that, that's what I got. Now, I'm so going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate. And I'm just going to say from some of the conversation I've had with some people, there seems to be a legitimate fear and, and this and that and all that. I'm okay with that. Here's what I've told, you know, I told my mother this 15 years ago. If you're getting pulled over by an undercover cop in an unmarked car and you don't feel safe, here's what you do. And here's what I wish this lieutenant would have done as well. Put your flashes on, put your signal on, slow down tremendously, tremendously. Now that officer knows there's some sort of acknowledgement. They're not trying to evade. They're not trying to get away. 
You got a cell phone? Call 911. Hey, mm-hmm. what's going on over here? Hey, can you tell the guy, I see he's trying to stop me. I don't feel safe. I don't feel all these different options. Uh, JB Flo commented, as a military official, he should be more respectful than the average citizen. Could not agree more. Um, I, agree, pers- I agree with that as well. Yep. Yeah, my, my personal opinion is, as a, mili- as a member of the military, all he has to do is comply. And we don't even have this discussion. They follow, they follow rules for a living. That's yeah, what right. the military does. So, so if they tell they you to do, orders. you know, here's the thing. If I get pulled over and a police officer tells me to get out of the car and do jumping jacks, you know what I'm going to do? I'm probably going to get out of the car and do jumping jacks. Right. And then I'm going to make some phone calls. I'm going to contact the supervisor. I'm going to complain. I'll argue with mm-hmm. But during the incident is not the time to do that. Comply now, complain later. That's what I tell my kids. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell my, my family members. Comply now, complain later. There are avenues. Listen, if, if the guy's completely, you know, off base, ask for a supervisor. You know, there are avenues. But non-compliance, compliance works 99% of the time. Non-compliance never works, ever. Never works for anyone. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd agree to that. But I think also that we, something that we have to really take into account, guys, and I feel like you'd agree to it. We have to, we have to understand that there's also an agenda that's been created by the media that's, that's fostered a lot of fear between the community and, and law enforcement. 100%, 100%. Um, and primarily, uh, primarily, especially with, with people of color, Hispanics, mm-hmm. you know, blacks, there, there's, there's an agenda that's been pushed. I, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you when I was shot, I was shot by two African-American, African-American kids. It didn't stay in the media. It didn't go, it didn't blow over. Now, had that been something totally different, had the race been changed, it been totally different, it wouldn't have gotten any time. It wouldn't have gotten any, it would got tons of media play. Um, right. It seemed to me that when it, it only, it only fits the narrative for the media when it's a white officer and a black suspect. That's if, right. if, it, if it doesn't fit that, then it doesn't create some type of controversy. So people um, who, some people like to refer to people as sheep. We know that. Um, are easily influenced by the media and what they see on social media. So once they start seeing this, um, this fear tactic that the media is using to uh, create some type of psychological fear amongst the uh, community and the police, then it's another barrier that we have to cross. You know what I mean? They don't give us the yeah. benefit of the doubt. They don't know what we do in the community. They don't know how many times we've, you know, saved that choking baby or how many times we've been to kids' graduation or we go to cookouts and play back. They don't know what we do good. They just see the negative on social media and they think that all of us are that way. Me included. Right. Um, yep. There's been so many people that are African American that look at me like I'm a traitor. I'm Uncle Tom because oh, yeah. I'm working for the too. white man. I know you get that too, brother. So, hey, so that, I mean, CJ that, that, that's, that's typed in. He's, he's mean, a law enforcement. And more importantly, oh, good. You will lag it on the. Oh, I saw that. He said he, he said yeah, he's what, a law enforcement officer and that he wants and he he has 15 years of experience. Yeah. I try to add them. If, if anybody wants to go live and jump in on this, you're more than welcome to. I try to add you. Uh, but go ahead, Gerald. Um, But I wanted to kind of point out, too, because it's something we talked about earlier this week, is in regards to, and I totally agree with what both of you guys have said. I don't want you guys to think that I'm just, I was totally against the whole situation. But I think what we have to look at, too, is that officer's behavior. It just, to me, the what he was talking, you're getting ready to ride the lightning. You should be scared. Those are things that you just, they're unprofessional that you just can't say they don't help the situation. I think if you remain professional the whole time, I'm cool with you raising your level level of assertions, but you just don't say things like you're getting ready to ride the lightning and yeah. you know, and the guy's physically saying, Hey, I'm scared. And you say, You should be scared. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to hear that. Help, you have no, to it's... you have to treat people with dignity. That's the yeah. first thing that you have to do. You can be tactical, you can be assertive, you could take charge of the situation, but you have to treat people with dignity and respect until they give you a reason not to. Yes, so, sir. To your point, 100%. 100%. So we, we had somebody comment, your attitude will justify the outcome of any situation. And I would say that that's absolutely true for both sides, mm-hmm. for, for law enforcement officers and for the people that are stopped. What do you guys think about this comment? I can't help but to think there was another agenda here. There's a reason he's pressing a lawsuit rather than, and it got cut off, but I, I agree with somebody else commented earlier that he had his cell phone staged and set up and he could have yeah, just got right. out of the car. Any, any credit right. to that? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's what I said, right? It, it, he's filming himself. So I think at, to that point, so you could articulate to JR's point, you know, that he's a, he's a darker Hispanic and he's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get these cops on video because I feel unsafe. 
-hmm. People could people could make that argument till the cows come home. My thing is, if you're that scared, you're not starting to record. You're not starting to do all that bullshit. Sorry, excuse my French. You're not starting to do that nonsense, right? <laughs> you're scared. I know my mom was about to whip me. I was scared. I was not worried about getting it on camera or, you know, trying to negotiate with my mama. I was, I was complying with what my mama wanted me to do, right? So right. I, I'm, not, I'm not setting up a camera to record myself interacting with the police if I'm truly in fear for my life. Right, right. I'd agree. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. All right. I was getting yelled at. It said, add me on in an exclamation point. So <laughs> I made sure to listen. What do you got for us? Hey, everyone. Um, thank you all very much for your service. But despite you. the fake news, we do appreciate you. I refuse you. to teach my students in school that you are the enemy. Um, our kids love our school resource officers. Our kids look up to our school resource officers. Our kids dress up as police officers for Halloween. And the only people that bring them down for that are their teachers and their parents. So it starts at home. It carries in school. That's but... I wanted to have a conversation dialogue with you all. I, I'm, I, I support law enforcement. Of course, I've been rallying. Wait, I, lo I love that hoodie. I love that. We hoodie. like that hoodie. We Thank like you. that hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> I go, I, I go everywhere with it. And, um, I, 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 I do a lot for them and they, you know, they do a lot for us too, but there's this sort of like hesitation that we have, you know, police, uh, those that support the police. There's been a lot of issues in the last year where we've seen police officers, um, uh, comply with tyrannical orders. And do I back the blue? Yes. Do I support them, you know, knocking a woman to the ground for not wearing a mask or shutting down churches or shutting down businesses or, you know, things like that. I, I, I it's, it's very difficult. And it's a very sensitive topic because the things that we have seen in the last year, police officers in force, you know, it's like we're one step away from them coming to our doors and taking away our firearms or taking us to a concentration camp for not taking the jab. So what, like, I don't even know how to ask my question, but like, now you, should... you, you and I have, you and I have spoken about this a couple of times and I'm just going to jump out and tell you openly what I've told you privately. There are police officers that are okay asking questions. When somebody says to do something immoral, unethical or illegal, there are good police officers out there that have a backbone, that have courage, that are okay standing up for what's right. With that said, I'm also going to tell you, and I'm, I'm sure these guys will agree with me, unfortunately, there are also cowards in the profession that you tell them to do something, and they're going to tell them to jump, they're going to say, how high? We call them yes, we call, we call them yes men. The yes men, the yes so, men. So, yeah. so your, your fear is not for no reason. So I'll, I'll talk about the NYPD, right? Because that's what I know. Um, when I got on the job in 1992, right? Don't tell me how old you guys were when I became a cop. Um, I just hit the big 5-0. So um, when I got on the job in 1992, there were about 38,000 of us, right? We were like the third largest army in the world. Um, we're down to about 32,000 members, right? And it's dwindling, right? Nobody wants the job. We have the strongest police unions in the country. The The... Patrolman's Benevolent Association will not allow the NYPD to become the brown shirts or the Gestapo. It's not going to happen. I can tell you that a thousand percent. Um, the sheriff's department, the New York City sheriffs, wear the same uniform, a similar patch, and a similar shield. And those are the ones that are doing civil enforcement stuff, shutting down bars, doing things of that nature. The NYPD is never going to go down that road. I can promise you that. Hey Angel, can you just can you just clarify? Because I, I was personally confused about that a couple months back. What does the sheriff's department do in New York? So they do their uh, they do civil enforcement, like uh, evictions. They close down businesses if they, if there's a violation, liquor law, liquor license, stuff like that. Um, uh, they do mostly civil enforcement. They're not really uh, cops per se. See, See, and it just goes to show you because there was a big narrative against the NYPD on that. Misconception, yeah. The guy yeah. in Staten Island, the guy in Staten Island with the bar, when they went over there, they all looked like NYPD, right. very similar patch. They were sheriffs. Right. They were sheriffs. So a good friend of mine just retired. He was an under sheriff. Um, he said it himself, and he's a black. He's a black guy. Um, he was like, "Yo, dude, it, it was it was off the hook. Like it was off the hook. The, the stuff they were asking us to do. You know, they have different people they answer to." 
That's interesting. For some reason, I thought I thought the sheriffs are the ones that uphold the Constitution. So it, it again, New York City, the NYPD pretty much runs the show. Um, mm. The sheriffs are civil enforcement. They 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 don't you know everybody swears to uphold the Constitution. Um, uh, there's there's a lot like he said. You're gonna have guys that are going to say, hey, look, you know, hey, boss, you need a cup of coffee? I I I'll go lock this person up for not having a mask and I'll bring you back a cup of joe. Yeah. We, all, we all know guys like that, unfortunately. In every profession, there's people that way. All right, so we're, we're about 20 minutes in on the first one. Let's, uh, let's wrap up the first one and then we'll go to the second topic and then we'll, we'll go to another one. But I, I want to get you guys' opinion on this comment. Uh, somebody writes, they were wrong to fire him. They definitely should train him on better tactics and felony stops. Your thoughts on that? Um, I, so the only one that was fired was the one that pepper sprayed him. I, and, and, and they said it was due to a policy violation, which I haven't looked into too much more, but we don't know what that policy violation was. So if he violated policy, um, there's a couple different ways that they could have routed it. There's, there's a couple different ways. I mean, they could have they given him an oral counsel. They could have given him a, a written reprimand, or they could have fired him based upon what the policy said. We, we know that they fired him due to a policy violation. Now, I don't know exactly what that is um but if he violated policy um willfully uh, and he met those elements then they would be in right to fire him i don't think they fired the, the younger officer they didn't fire him um it was only the officer that pepper sprayed him and we also don't know what that officer's history is we don't know if that officer has been written up before is this is, is this his third strike what is his history like um i can tell you from my experience you know being law enforcement that a lot of times the 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 attitude and the, and the, the, the way that some officers talk they're dealing with a lot of stuff and I'm not trying to get this guy an excuse, but it sounded like that guy was, he was fed up. Um, usually it takes a little bit of while for some people to blow up. Uh, but when you have an officer who immediately goes to a hundred, um, there's a lot of clues and things that you got to pay attention to. Is he going through something at home? Is he dealing with some type of PTSD? Uh, what's going on? And we don't know what that officer's history with the department was. Hey, he could have been written up multiple times for multiple complaints. And that's why they fired him. We don't know that. And I think that's, it's important for us to, 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 to understand that or read that to kind of figure out what's the back history on that. And, and that's a big, that's a, that's a huge point because the, that's, that's part of the brotherhood, right? That's, that's where the brotherhood comes in. That's when me, I'm with JR, and I know JR had a bad day. He just let me know that him and his wife had an argument, right? And he goes up to a car and I see him blowing up. I say, yo, JR, I got this. Step back. Let me talk yes. to the dude. I come in. I, I calm you down, I de-escalate the situation, and everybody goes home happy and alive and in one piece. So uh, to your point, I mean, absolutely. He wrote up the narrative, and he said he pepper sprayed the guy in the narrative. So if they fired him for a violation, and they claim that the violation is pepper spray, he's going to sue to get his job back. Um, will sure he get his job back? Who knows? I'm sure that this was political more than anything. Oh, yeah, uh, 100%. Ryan, who puts out phenomenal content all the time, uh, a lot of the, a lot of these incidents, we don't even comment on, and we just share Ryan's comments. And he just typed in, he's gonna hop back on in a minute. He, you know what? We'll let him bring that up on his own when he pops back up. Uh, but he wanted to talk about why is it so hard for many cops to be pro cop but anti the bad ones. Uh, go ahead, Angel. What you got? My mantra, and it's on everything I put out, is nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. You Facts. cannot. Nobody, because they make us all look bad. So if you're not man enough and, and you're not an independent thinker and confident in yourself enough to say, hey, this guy screwed up. I don't buy into what he did. Screw him. Let him, you know, face the consequences. Then, you know, I mean, then you're a coward and you're complicit as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Because if you stand by and let anything take place that shouldn't take place and, 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 and you try to uh, 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 cover it up, so to speak, you're just as guilty. You're just yes, as guilty. Sir. We got we to gotta call the bad people out because then people will never take us serious. Mm -hmm. People will never take us serious. When we have a point, when we have a point and we say, hey, you know, give this officer the benefit of the doubt. This is not what happened. You don't know the whole story. And that's all we say. Nobody's ever going to take us serious. I agree. And somebody just commented, so why don't good cops speak out more? There are so many oh, cops that speak out. There's so many cops that speak out. But you know what? The media doesn't want to air that stuff. They don't want to show that stuff. They That's want right. you to think that we don't care and that we're out here and we're all rogue and we all are hiding behind this whole thin blue line. Now, let me tell you what that means because so many people are talking about this blue code and all this other type of stuff. You know, the thin blue line, 
only represents us standing between good and evil. It's not a side that the community can't cross. Or it's, it's not the community. it's not the blue wall. It's not, it's the, not the blue, blue wall. Walls. That's it's different. That's a completely different thing. Right. So there's a lot of cops that speak out. I'm I'm very vocal about you know if an officer has done everything right, and we're going to get into it. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about the Dante Wright situation, and you're going to see a lot of us agreeing on a lot of things. Um, same thing with George Floyd. I didn't see one cop that agreed with how George Floyd was treated. Now, there's other stuff that are coming into light, but still, the the vast majority. I haven't talked interacted with one cop that said that hey, that what that officer did was justified, was right. He should have did it. I right. haven't spoken with anybody that did that. So. The NYPD Internal Affairs Bureau gets about 90% of their complaints against cops from other cops. Wow. I, I'm telling you, if, if you do a freedom of information request from the Internal Affairs Bureau, the NYPD, they have a call center where they take call after call after call. 90% of their calls come from cops calling on other cops. I'm telling you. Now, two things I want to say. Uh, Rosie Rowe, good cops do speak out to the extent that they can, and then Jay Schrantz just wrote, a lot of departments don't allow their officers to have public opinion. Angel has his freedom of speech back. Most That's of right. them not have freedom of speech. That's and right. Those two comments are so spot on accurate. And unfortunately, and, and this is what some people might not like this, but this is what kind of makes us a little bit unique is that we call it like we see it. So uh, let me bring Ryan back on because he okay. sent the request in. I'm a guy. I'm not good at multitasking here. <laughs> <laughs> My wife could do 15 things at once. Man. All right. All right. So there, there are, there, there's corruption within law enforcement. I mean, nobody's going to say that. We're human. We're not infallible. We're not perfect. There are good cops. There's bad cops. I, I think the overwhelming amount of good cops do speak out and aren't mm -hmm. afraid to speak out. The problem is what, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but you got the pandering and you got yep, all the and all the politics and all the nonsense. Uh, Ryan, what did you want to throw in earlier? Thank you for joining us, by the way. How are you, brother? Good to hey, see what's you. going on, fellas? How you guys doing? What's up, Ryan? What's up, man? How are you? Good seeing familiar faces. Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm in, trans <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in transition, so forgive me, guys. Um, That's all right. No, no, I, you guys kind of hit the, hit the nail right on the head when it comes to, um, you know, why is it so bad for to be to be pro cop but be anti the bad ones? And I know I know you guys said the saying that there's no good no good cops likes a bad cop more than a good cop or something like that, which I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. But what I found, unfortunately, is there was a lot of police officers that will come out against me or whatever, saying I'll do more of a disservice uh, to police officers than anything. And they're always you know try to say you know how I should use my my platform to really steer people the right way. But the reason that bothers me is because there's a lot of people that don't like police officers that follow simply because I'm, I, you guys all know that I try to take a neutral stance. Mm -hmm. I think yep. those people that come out and say stuff like that, ignorant comment, police officers are a prime reason why we have a lot of the issues we have simply because we don't like to admit our own fault. I know all you guys do. And so it's okay. There's bad, bad, everything out there. I just think it's kind of frustrating when you see that because that's a prime reason of why we have some issues we have because there's a lot of guys out there in our profession that think we can do no wrong. And so you got to realize a lot of people in our profession that do wrong, sometimes a lot of times their intent is not to do wrong, but they just messed up. And then you have those that their intent is to do wrong from the jump. And that's because we're all humans at the end of the day. And so, you know, I just want to throw that out there because I, this is recent. So it's a current event for me where somebody hit me up going off on some nonsense. So I figured I'll, I'll put it out there for you guys to see what your guys' thoughts were. You're, 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 you're right, and I completely, um, uh, I feel, I feel what you're saying. I get it from cops as well, telling me that, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, you're pandering to these people. Um, but then I get it from uh, my own family members who are Puerto Rican, Hispanic, like me, and tell me that I'm a sellout and that I forgot where I came from because I support my my brothers and sisters in blue. So it's a double-edged sword, right? The, the bottom line is us as men first and cops second. We got to stay true to ourselves. We got to yep. stay true to how we were raised and the values that we have. And yep. if we do that, everything else is going to fall into place because I'm not going to lose a wink of sleep over some uh, 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 one of my family members or another cop telling me that I'm a sellout because I know my heart of hearts that I'm doing it for all the right reasons. Absolutely, man. And I, and I, and I, and you guys hit it right on the head and 
that's why I want to join this group because I know I'm I'm with uh, you know people that have the same um, opinions and values that I do. But it just goes to show that we have a lot of work to do. And and where that came from was that whole topic of the Dante. Um, uh, what's his last name again? For right, you? right, Dante, Dante right, right, right. Yeah. right. Um, because I said, well, we'll talk about the compliance part later. And there's a lot of people saying, oh, no, let's talk about the compliance in the same sentence. And so we all know, everybody all knows that if he's compliant, we avoid that situation from jump. Everybody knows that. Right. But doesn't sometimes as police officers, I think we like to throw that. Oh, well, if they would have just complied, then this would have never happened. We all know that. We all know that's true. But at the same time, we still messed up. And so we need to have that empathy to be able to empathize with others that are going through it. So that way people can see the humanistic side of it. So when we do like do something right, they remember and they'll, they'll know like, man, that officer had empathy for me last time. So let me listen to what he has to say. But I think, and that's what bothers me because I, I'm going to do a piece about compliance. And I've talked about that before, but it's just funny how we always like to say, well, if they would have complied, this would have never happened. Yeah, that's true. But if it was your son or your daughter that got killed because of a mistake, even if my son or daughter was not acting right, would that still make me feel better? Would I want somebody to tell me, oh, well, he should have complied and he wouldn't be here? Like, you, know, you don't want to hear that. Preach, no, you don't want to hear that. No, you don't want to hear that. If, if, if that was your son or daughter and somebody was like, oh, well, they should have just complied and this would have never happened, how would you feel as the officer? Mm -hmm. So that's what yeah. it, that's what makes me mad. Is like, I get it. Like, yeah, we know all, we all know all that. And I, I even put something out there like, would, would, would police need, would we need police if everybody complied? Would they go so hard on us in the academy if everybody complied, they don't pay us to deal with people that comply. They pay us to deal with people that don't comply. That's one thing, it, brother. That's you know what I'm one, so, one thing ahead. that stood out. One thing that stood out for me was the first thing I the first thing I noticed. And again, I'm not here to bash a Monday morning quarterback. Monday Monday morning quarterback that he didn't get control of him immediately when he got him out of the vehicle and didn't cuff him right away. He took too exactly. long, and and I didn't know that he was a rookie officer being trained. Right, that came out later. Right. Um, he didn't get control of him right away. As soon as you get resistance, take him to the ground, get his hands, cuff him, you know, get him, get compliance. Right. That's what we have to do. We have to get compliance when there's not compliance. Um, so to your point, that was the first thing. So is compliance would have avoided this happening? Probably. Right. It's the fallacy of the predetermined outcome, they like to say. But gaining control of him would have prevented this as well. So we have to we have to look at that aspect of it. As no, well. and, we, and we, we will look at it. And trust me, I'm going to do a video. And people that follow me know I do it all the time. I call stuff out all the time where, hey, I, I watch you. People I watch you. I this this too, so it's just funny that, you know, that's the one thing you took out of this. That's why I made my tweet very limited. Like, look, let's just for <laughs> one second empathize because that empathy, believe it or not, that empathy is going to pay dividends way later when we need it, when, it, when we need it most. And if we don't, uh, if and we listen, don't now, I'm, I'm, then we won't get it later. And so, like I said, we'll deal uh, with the non-compliance part, no doubt about it. But we just got to pick and choose our battles. I'm I'm six foot five and a, a, a nice, healthy 285 pounds. And when I was on patrol, I got up to 320 pounds. And I can tell you, people don't care. They fought me harder than they fought the little cops. I mean, JR's a big dude. I mean, they fight. People fight. They fight. They fight. All right, so a couple things real quick. Ryan, I just want to let you know never content out because he makes it easy for us. When people ask us questions, a lot of times we literally just direct them to Ryan's videos because he does a good breakdown. <laughs> I want to touch on what Cornell said. Cornell wrote down, challenge for cops is to realize that citizens can also be pro-cops by police brutality. Completely agree with that. Police make mistakes. It, for, for some of us with these platforms and – with Team South Florida, we have other contributors besides just me on this platform, but all of us say the same thing. It may, it might make us unpopular, but yeah. we call it spade a spade. We'll call things out. So let's move on from Windsor, Virginia, unless you've got something else with Windsor, Virginia. Are we good to move on to Brooklyn City? Yep. Yep. Right, yeah, that's good. good. That's good. Uh, all right. So probably got me for like another five minutes or five, ten minutes or so. No, oh, that's good, bro. We want, we want to keep it as long as we can, bro, for sure. Yeah, and, no. and you can <laughs> jump off anytime you want. Tell me what we'll, we'll go to you first for what you want to say about Minneapolis. I'm just going to tell you and this is what I told some of the guys here that's really bothered me. We've changed in policing to instant gratification to the public. And what I mean by that is in less than 24 hours, and some people have disagreed with me on this, 
In less than 24 hours, the Chief's making his own personal assessment on what happened, body camera videos released, and there is no way in hell anybody can tell me that a thorough investigation was completed. Were we able to look at the facts and determine that the officer was wrong? More than likely, sure. I'll admit that. I think most of us can admit that. I just, I think we're in such a rush by pandering to the general public. Years ago, they used to say, all right, there was an officer involved shooting within 72 hours. We're going to give you an updated statement. I mean, that's gone now. I I'm blown away at how much information got out 12, 14 hours from this incident. I, I, I just have a problem with that. But go ahead, Ron, go to you because you got to go. No, um, so when the whole, when the George Floyd thing initially happened, one of the things I've said from day one was that George Floyd's situation was an anomaly from the simple standpoint, it really didn't take a whole bunch to know that something was done wrong. Now, what that something was, that's what the investigation was. But something was done wrong, and I can say that based off the training. I dealt with people where, you know, we have to put pressure on them to keep them down and all that other stuff. Anytime somebody says they can't breathe, and we've all had it, you know, what do we do? We get that. They can't breathe, then we get a medical attention. If they can breathe, then we just say, hey, hold on, buddy, and we'll get you some help fast, but you can reassess. What we saw in George Floyd was a failure to reassess, and that's kind of what made that initially us realizing that something was done wrong. Now, what was done wrong, that's what the investigation is for. But that situation doesn't happen as often as people think it does. It's very, very rare. And so what you're spot on with is that we can't be so quick. One of the good things about body cameras is that we can see a lot of things happen because of body cameras. The bad thing about body cameras is that if we don't see it on body camera, it never happened. And not only that, it, uh, it rushes the whole investigative process. So that's why we got to be very careful on investigating or uh, by speaking out on a lot of these things that we see that come out so quickly or reacting to them as the police agencies reacting to this so quickly because of political pressures. I get it. I understand how difficult it must be when you got the mayor or city manager, the, the, the council down your throat. But at the end of the day, we also have to be humans there as well, but, you know, because we got to do the moral and ethical thing and we just get rid of somebody or fire somebody without giving them the due process. Then that goes against what we stand for all in all. I mean, how is it that, you know, a murderer, we can talk about a murderer, somebody that's murdered five or six people, they get due process, right? So why can't they get due process even if something looks very, very bad? And so the George Floyd uh, or, uh, or Derek Chauvin, he deserves the same due process as anybody else. That was a rare situation where we could all look at it as a police officer or police professional say, ah, oh, something's not right here, but we got to be careful of trying to do that on every single one. So that's just my personal take on it. Man. Body cameras are phenomenal, and I think um, you know, having this information at our availability is good, but we got to be careful how we do it. <coughs> I see some of the comments. I don't want to go into the whole George Floyd thing because that's a whole other topic. I want to stay on topic with what we got right now. Um, and, and I couldn't agree more, Ryan. It's funny you mentioned due process because the city manager specifically asked for due process and was and fired, was fired. Yeah. as a result of asking <laughs> for due process. Crazy. Council culture. Not for us on well, this. I mean, this guy, this mayor um, – says that police shouldn't have guns on every car stop. I mean, that alone I got shows you. you. Hold on. I got you on that. All right. Ready for it? Yeah. I wrote it, I wrote it down because it was too egregious. But for back me. out and I'm going to hop back on in a minute. All right. Okay, All right. All right. Mayor Mike Elliott on April 13, 2021, quote, I don't believe that officers need to necessarily uh, have weapons, uh, you know, uh, every time they – they're, they're making, making a traffic stop uh, or, or engaged in uh, situations that don't necessarily call for, uh, for weapons. We know that there are other, many other jurisdictions, even around the world, where uh, that is not, you know, necessarily the case. It's not needed. Bro, well, he, he didn't even, he didn't, it's like somebody else wrote it for him. He didn't even feel comfortable saying it. I mean, that, that, that's so, that's so far extremist, bro. Like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, it. Darian, Darian Jarrett's pregnant wife and three kids would certainly disagree with the mayor. Absolutely. Shot oh, yeah. killed at a traffic stop. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he was a perfect gentleman, went up to the vehicle, right. was, I mean, he couldn't have been nicer, right? And look what happened, right? Yep. Look what happened. You can't, this, this goes to show you where uh, Brooklyn <laughs> Center is, is headed, right? Because this leadership, the mayor, is saying that the police don't need guns. I mean, for any idiot to claim that the police don't need guns, I think even the, the most left-wing 
crazy people would say, okay, at least the cops need to have guns, right? They, we got to have guns. We have to because the bad guys don't follow gun laws, right? Mm -hmm. They don't. <laughs> um, Bur Burleson, Texas, an officer in traffic stop, yeah. equipment violation, passenger approach, and according to his chief of police, as the officer approached on the passenger side, the driver immediately started shooting. Immediately. So I guess we, we would say that the officer didn't have time to tap his heels together, call a timeout, go back to his car and get his gun. <laughs> I, I there are hundreds of videos literally on YouTube of cops walking up to cars and getting shot or getting yep. shot at, getting killed, right? I, I mean, it's just, it, it almost doesn't even dignify, it, it almost makes you want to not dignify it with a response because it's so stupid Correct. and it makes absolutely no sense. So I don't even want to, I'm not running the show, but I don't even want to spend that much time on it because it's such a I, stupid I, I agree, come. I, I, I agree, man. Let's talk about the elephant in the room because a lot of people, and like Ryan said, he gets heat for it too. It's okay to say <clears throat> mistakes are made and everything. Um, before I turn to one of you guys for your opinion on, on this officer, this 26-year veteran, I do want to say one of the things that bothers me is that people are very, very quick to say there was a problem in training. I don't know that there was a problem in training. Unless either of you have worked at that agency, I don't think either of you can tell me that there's a problem in training. We don't know how she's trained. What we learned not too long ago, and I'm, I'm going to beat around the bush a little bit here, is what we learned not too long ago is that there's an agency that had a decent reputation that ended up not getting trained very well on something. There's another agency that didn't really have much of a reputation because of their size, and they ended up, it was determined that their training was top-notch on that particular topic. Mm -hmm. we, I, I, I don't like the argument where people are quick to say, well, we gotta, we, she was mistrained, she wasn't trained right, it was bad training. I think it's very, very preemptive to say anything ab about that. But I'll turn it what, to you. What, what, uh, um, what angers me uh, the most is how people are saying, oh, well, she's too stupid to know the difference between a taser and a gun. She's, she should have never been a cop. Uh, she's she's a, a, a tarnishing the badge. She's a disgusting, uh, a worthless police officer. That to me is garbage because you cannot flush 26 years of, from what I understand, exemplary service. You can't flush that down the drain mm -hmm. because she made a fatal, fatal, fatal error. I yep. mean- if we're going to look at it and, and we say she said taser, taser, taser three times, right? She put the, 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 the taser close to his body, which is how you're trained to do it, and deployed the taser, which ended up being a gun. There was no way there was any intent on killing this young man. No mm -hmm. way. No way. She, she screwed up. She screwed up. She made a fatal mistake. Doesn't and mean she's a bad cop. It doesn't mean that she has horrible training. It doesn't mean there were a lot of stressors. She was responsible for a rookie officer. She was dealing with a combative subject. Um, it was a high-stress situation, okay? He, she knew what kind of warrant he had for aggravated robbery and for gun possession, okay? They knew what they were dealing with, and it got ugly quick. And we all yeah. know we've been, in the, we've been in the caca when it's got bad, and it goes mm -hmm. from zero to 100 in a split second. Mm-hmm. And, and to piggyback on that, man, it's, it, I mean, it, and that's what I said to somebody earlier. Everybody's like, man, she was a terrible cop. I'm like, dude, you don't, there's, there's no way you can look at that video and all of a sudden she's a racist, she's this, she's that, and the third. You don't know what her level of training is. Whether she's, she's been in the business for 26 years. We know that some people skate by for 26 years, and we also know that some people who go out that long have been doing the job for our way. She's an FTO. I mean, it, she, you got to give her credit to an extent. I think she just made a very, very fatal error, and it's, Sometimes it can happen. It can happen to any of us. You do it. Um, and, when you're in a high stress situation, you start to lose those fine motor skills. In my opinion, based on my training and experience, but even some of those calls, I think what she, I think she meant to go for a gun initially, because I would have done the same thing. Initially, yeah, absolutely. You jumping right back in the car. You don't know if there's a gun in the car. So I think initially mm -hmm. she went to get go to her gun because she didn't know what he was dodging back in the car to get. But at okay. some point, those fine motor skills kind of lost, and then she didn't transition, and she didn't remember. that. That's normal for humans to do, whether you're trained or not, which, it, which I believe, though, a lot of that, and I will kind of disagree a little bit on what you said in the beginning, uh, Rich, but I think a lot of that goes back to your training um, because, you're, you know, you can't, you're, 
your body can't do what your mind has never has never been. You you gotta if you've been exposed yeah. to it and you train yeah. it to a certain extent, yes. Um, yes. you have to. That's repetitive. We we train even though our Taylor certification is every two years, it's probably about an hour. We train on transitions. But you know what? I don't wait. Me as an officer, I don't wait. Before I go to shift every day, I draw my gun, I draw my taser. I draw my gun, I draw my taser. I, I do those things on my own and not waiting for the department to do it. I didn't have a taser when I was a patrol cop. They didn't even have tasers. They weren't even infected. <laughs> the, the, sergeant, <laughs> the sergeant carried a taser in the glove compartment of his, of his vehicle. The patrol cops, we had mace, we had a gun, and we had two magazines. Or when I got on the job, I had a revolver. I had two speed loaders. Okay. Wow. Um, you don't, regardless of, you could, I was trained on how to do car stops. Um, I can't tell you the number of times that I chased the car around the Bronx into Manhattan, back into the Bronx. And as soon as the guy crashed, I ran up to that car and yanked him out. I had horrible tactics. I could have got shot in the face. I could have got, I ran up into that car and snatched his ass out of the window and it commenced. Okay. And it was bad tactics. And I, everything I was trained on was the antithesis of that. So while I agree to an extent, JR, sometimes no matter how much you train, when the shit hits the fan for real, I don't know if I'm allowed to say shit. But yeah, man, you being real. Uh, you being real, <laughs> When the shit hits the fan for real, a lot of the training, you go into fight or flight and a lot of the training goes out the window. I want, I want to touch on two, two comments really quick. First okay. comment, Courtney, she said she was definitely in the wrong, but damn, I can't help but feel bad for her 26 years down the drain. JR is absolutely right. Fatal, fatal mistake. And what I, I hope that the general public realizes is we do hold our own accountable. Mm -hmm. With due process, I can guarantee you, well, she's already been charged, probably appropriately from what I'm mm -hmm. hearing. Manslaughter. Literally yes, second degree manslaughter. 26 years of her life as a police officer. Her pension is gone. She's going to be in prison. She's going to be bankrupt. She's going to be sued for the rest of her life. Like everything is gone. So I just wanted to touch on that. And then I want to turn it over to, can I say an expert on this? <laughs> go, go, sure. Go ahead, go ahead with your comment where it says the importance of controlling the nervous system is paramount mm -hmm. to critical incident performance. Yeah. I mean, so I, you know, I can't speak to tactics. So I've, I've been 10 years in law enforcement psychology. I'm a post-certified trainer, instructor at the Sheriff's Academy, police department. Um, I teach first responders in stress management, resiliency, critical incident, stress debriefing, officer involved shooting, all everything, all of the stress that comes from the job. And, and I mm -hmm. think that, you know, again, I can't speak about tactics, but what I can speak about is the ability and the practice of controlling the nervous system. You said it exactly right, JR, about, you know, you can't go where your mind has never been. That's the antithesis of any kind of sports psychology, mental training, mental resiliency is training the mind first. The body will follow. Yes. And, and exactly like, you know, drawing and, and, and dry firing and practice and, and all of that, that's fantastic because you need your muscles to, to be responding when you need them to. But the breath is comes first. You have mm -hmm. to control your breath. You have to employ combat breathing. You have to practice that stress management response all the time. And uh, unfortunately, you know, in today's time and as crazy it all as it all is, I mean, let's go back to the nineties. Can I say when I was married to my cop, uh, the billy club and the asp <laughs> were the, the deadly weapons, you yeah, know, yeah. along with the revolvers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, the times are different. We know better. Um, we know how crazy things are. We know how fatal things become, how quickly. And, 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 I, and I will say, I don't know if our mental resiliency training has kept up. Mm -hmm. It can't possibly. Well, it can't. It's, it's, it can't because, so there's right. a generational thing here too. Right. Mm -hmm. we, we, a yes. lot of the kids who were getting participation trophies are now becoming right. tops. Mm -hmm. Right. So they've never their mother has never told them. No, their mother has never whipped their ass. Their father <laughs> has never whipped yeah. their ass. Their grandfather has never whipped their ass. I got my ass whipped by every family member. Uh, you yeah. name it. I got my ass whipped. So it's a generational thing as well, because the people that are coming on the job now 
are the you know they 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 haven't been held to their consequences and to their the 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 no excuses you know there was no timeout when I was a kid I got my ass whipped that was mm -hmm. it I was not sat in the corner you know I couldn't I, I didn't have an iPad at the dinner table you know <laughs> it's comply for, for, now or I'm gonna bust whole, your lip yeah right right um, I'm sorry. Instagram is giving me a countdown, and I guess hour came and went. So what, yes, you just you just got to shut it down and reset it. That's that's what you do. So that's what I'm gonna do. Okay. For everybody that's watching, and Jr. Take a take a quick glimpse through some of these comments so we we can hit yeah, on them. Yeah, take a look at them. Yeah, take a look at them. And I'm gonna restart this now. All right, guys. Everybody, yep. make sure. Hey, come back. Come, come back. back. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. Come back, Jack. Come back, Jack. <laughs>